got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. It is. Hey, buddy. Here I feel we... like I'm talking quietly. I, well, I mean, it's like the delicious dish. Do I need to project more? No, you're fine. Okay. I mean, you can hear how well you're projecting. How well I hear myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, this is shot number two at our attempt at recording. Take two. This, this week. Sorry to folks uh, on the live stream and also who had expected us to be producing our podcast from the Tivoli Brewing House. Brew house? Tap house? It just wasn't working. It's too I mean, loud. We did it. We did it. You just can't but, hear it. No, you couldn't hear anything we said. I'm actually it was close good, to the it was door. A good conversation, though. It should, was. You should have been there. I know. Let's see if you can uh, second that conversation today. Uh, before Brian and I get going, of course, this is Sports Nerds. We're here recording together for the first time ever, maybe. I don't know if we've ever, minus yesterday, recorded in person together. It's always been. No, we did a declaration that one time. Oh, that, but that it also didn't work. Also didn't work. <laughs> we just don't have the equipment. So. Yeah, we're over two or over. Sorry, everybody. EPL league or EPL pick'em still available. You got to make the picks. I think in the next four or five hours. So if you're watching on the live stream, just know that uh, you can sign up for that. We put all the links on our Facebook page, fb.me/sportsnerds. We have a pretty good turnout. Everybody's got their picks in thus far, but uh, we are accepting new members. It's we'll be giving out prizes. It's free. It's a year-long event. So if you like soccer and you want something to be invested in and have some fun. We encourage you to do that. We're on uh, Instagram, at uh, sports.nerds, and we're on Twitter, underscore sports nerds. Before we get started, Brian, I wanted to uh, roll off a couple stats that one of our P1s sent me. Uh, uh, Colton Kraft, former student, sent me a, uh, a tweet literally 15 minutes ago, and I thought that this was fantastic. Iowa has five AP top finishes since 2000, which is more than Clemson, Michigan, Nebraska, Tennessee, Florida State, Washington, Stanford, Notre Dame, Miami, and West Virginia. That's impressive, right? That's that's pretty solid there. It's the same as Wisconsin, Penn State, Auburn, and Virginia Tech. Yeah. So basically, behind Alabama and Ohio State. So we're the third best football program in the country. That's <laughs> one way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Oklahoma's... I, I another, another way to think about it is that there. you play in crappy bowl games that you can win, and that keeps you from getting booted out of the top ten. Oh, we tend to lose... Most of the bowl games, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because we lost to Stanford when uh, McCaffrey ran for like a billion yards. I don't think Iowa is a team that anybody wants to play. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't think Iowa is a team anybody wants wants to play. I think they play spoiler. Thanks for saying that. Better than any team in in football. You're a good friend, and you have your Michigan shirt on. Michigan, yeah. Got to rep the home team because I saw a wonderful meme. We are 16 days away from Michigan going 0 and 1. Because they open up with Notre Dame. Here's another good at one. At Notre Dame. At Notre Dame. Another good one before we get going. You know I, how good that defense was, was last year? It was great. I don't think. We'll C- see. Congratulations. I'm happy for you, I guess. I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't like Harbaugh. And he ruined the Big Ten's perfect bull season by getting dismantled by South Carolina. You're on video. Can you do a Harbaugh? Can you do a No, like but I mean, you can. Go ahead. Let's see it. I'm not wearing the khakis. Isn't this? Is that good? <laughs> That's, That's pretty great. solid really right there. sticks his butt out there. That's good. I love Here's another stat. Why is it so people hate Michigan so much? I don't get it. Because they think they're better than they are. 
over the last 15 years. Mm. They never should have fired Lloyd Carr and his bad breath. Known to have horrible breath, according to the sports reporters. The I don't, I don't have reporters. people tweeting me stats, but Michigan is... You they're know, the most winning. I think they're the winningest football program in history. The, the games that Harbaugh's lost since he's gotten there, he's lost to Ohio State twice. He's lost to Michigan State twice, and, and I, I don't have this. The, the he's stat, lost to Iowa it's, every it's, time. It's by like a combined seven points or something mm-hmm. like that, right? I mean, sort of bad bounces against good teams. That team could have won that a national stat championship. That they can count? Like, do people give a shit? Like you lost by seven total points to all these teams. Here's a better one: Michigan Homer <laughs> against Iowa Homer. Only eleven. Power five football programs have never been on probation. Did I say this? You sent me this one. This one I like. BC, Boston College, Duke, Iowa, Louisville, Missouri, Northwestern, Purdue, Stanford, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, and Washington State. So if you look at that list, there's only like four teams that aren't like super, super nerdy that are still safe. Is it BC is like a great school. Is that correct? I mean, they're, yeah. so they're known to be a very, very good academic institution. Yeah, it's a, it's a Jesuit school, right? It's a good school. Oh, I did not know that. I think huh, so. Interesting. You're a... You were a Jesuit yeah, professor. I'm a former Jebby. You were not, not a priest, but I went. I went to a Jesuit school. Yeah. Was Mullen Jesuit? No, uh, Mullen is Lasallian. Which is what? What's the difference between that and being a Jesuit? It's just a different. You know, they're still very socially liberal, progressive. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Shout very, out. Very to... social justicey. <laughs> All right. Um, My high school football team is really good too. Really? Oh also, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, For sure, they have the same M. M. Logo. So does Mines, right? Isn't the same M as Mines? I think it's the same font. M's look alike. M's M's are for men. <laughs> Masculinity. I got nothing. All right. Speaking of men, um, let's talk about this beanball situation that happened. We talked about this yesterday, but some things have kind of unfolded yeah, over the been, last 24 been hours. It's been great. Uh, so Wednesday night, Brian and I were sitting down um, watching this game. Uh, Jose Urania, uh, Beans, Ronald Acuna Jr., first pitch, uh, bottom of the first inning against the Braves. So Acuna is a Brave. Now, I guess watching it, you know, the breakdown immediately was, did he do it on purpose, yada, yada, yada. So, but what is what has really unfolded, if any of you want to go down and hunt down this video, it's, it's I don't know, it's a blatant beanball. He didn't go for his head, hit him, hit him in the elbow. But uh, it's kind of all over the sports medias today. And yesterday, uh, uh, um, Urania got a six-game suspension for it. Which the first starting pitcher means? Nothing. Yeah. Well, he missed a start. I was trying well, to figure that out. One, He'll yeah. miss one start. Okay, but they're not going to send it. They'll be able to bring a guy up. How's that work, actually, in Major League Baseball? Actually, can you bring a dude up if you get a guy suspended? I assume you can. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, uh, the Mariners will be playing <laughs> without a – what <clears> position <throat> does – what's his name pay, play now? The guy who cheated for the Mariners? Oh, Robinson Cano. What position? Is he second, second baseman? Base. Still? Yeah. Well, he they was moved him to the outfield. Oh, actually, when he moved over there, I thought maybe there was talk of moving him to shortstop or something, but I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Mariners baseball. It's hard to watch. Michigan is in the eastern time know. zone, as our airport will remind people That's over late. and over again because everyone thinks it's in the central. Yeah. So we don't watch a lot of Mariners games because it starts at 10 o'clock. Yeah, that is pretty late. Those are those are late games. Um, I don't mind them. I can, Gotta I can, get I can stay, stay up and watch some Dodgers ball. So, uh, I mean, my take on it, I know your take is I'll just get it started. Um I'm more or less uh, pissed off by Keith Hernandez and the defenders of of Urania uh, in the fallout. Hernandez interview. I don't know who was it with. Was it he? Was he being interviewed by Buster Olney or Buster Olney was was using the audio? And anyhow, Brian and I were listening to a, uh, the Baseball Tonight podcast this morning, and Hernandez has not at all backed off his comments about. Uh, this just being part of the game, and that Urania had every reason to to uh, to hit Acuna. Now, I didn't clarify this. Acuna got hit because he hit four home runs in the previous two games against the Marlins, and so they decided to 
to bean him, right? Or Urania did. Um, apparently, he's taking full responsibility for it. I see it as extremely archaic, and uh, Joe Madden does too. So props to Joe. He came out and said something about Neanderth. Did he call this is this is the game has become Neanderthalian or something like that? Like he was he used a big word, very Joe Madden style. Um, I thought it was dumb. I've never, was, never even tried to use Neanderthal as an adjective. I, I probably just made it up. We have our computers on us. We could probably look it up. The old dictionary app there on our MacBooks. I think it's silly. I think it's dumb. I think that uh, you. Sh- Why are you throwing at a guy just because he hit home runs? No, that's my take. You go ahead. You're the one who's more articulate. <laughs> Let's hear your your defense of Keith Hernandez, who, by the way, is known to be a complete asshole. So go ahead. All right. Well, let's start with the defense of Keith Hernandez. He was in that Seinfeld episode or episodes, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He Who was. Does this guy think he is. I'm <laughs> Keith Hernandez. I'm Keith Hernandez. He's also in the uh, you know just for men commercials. You know, putting some some dye in his in his mustache. So I don't know why why you'd have any problem with uh, a, a, a character like Keith Hernandez. Um, we have to back up a little bit because I still am not sure that we can say. Obviously, Major League Baseball thinks he threw it him on purpose. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him a suspension, mm-hmm. right? But the pitcher says after the game, yeah, I didn't throw at him on purpose. Usually when you plunk a guy, it doesn't happen in the first inning or the first at bat. You do it kind of later in the mm-hmm. game or wait for a situation that, you know, is less likely to, you know, to, to be bad for you uh, in terms of winning or losing the game, right? There is good reason to think there are some arguments as to why maybe he did throw at him on purpose. And those are um, that uh, uh, Acuna hit what, three or four home runs in the preceding two or three games? Four. Four home, four home runs. runs. And two of them were leadoffs? Is that right? He hit yeah, two, he hit two leadoff so. home runs. Yeah. The day before, they played a doubleheader, and he hit a leadoff home run in both of those games. So maybe it was, you know, this was kind of Hernandez's take. Uh, I'm going to plunk this guy because that way he definitely won't, um, you know, he won't hit a home run. If I plunk him, that's for, that's for sure going to happen, you know. Uh, so... I don't know. He, he says he didn't throw at him on purpose. It's kind of a weird situation to throw at somebody. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I, let me ask you a question. Okay. Do, you, do you care that he threw at him in general? Right? Because it's not like the first time someone's been thrown at in baseball this year, and mm-hmm. it's not the last time someone's going to get thrown at um, intentionally. If if we were to, like, go back and, and change the conditions slightly and say he threw at him and he hit him in the thigh and it didn't hit his elbow and the guy didn't have to leave the game, do you care then? I guess it depends upon the situation. To me, um, I'm okay with with the occasional beaning of a dude. And you and I talked about this off off air. You know, there are situations in which you need that kind of, I guess, internal police force yeah. policing of, of players. You know, dudes getting too cocky or stuff like that. And I get that. You know, I'm totally down with that. I guess, but in this situation, I thought it was just silly because you're you're hitting a guy for talent. Yeah, he wasn't even in how he responded to being hit. He didn't charge the mound. He was very, very respectful of everything. Very mature for a very young, super, super talented player, by the way. Um, I guess, and that's it. to me, that that does not warrant being hit. No, it's it's weird. And that's the other reason. I think that kind of what you just said maybe proves my point a little bit, that we can be at least somewhat suspicious about whether or not he tagged him on purpose. Because usually if you if you hit a guy, they've done something pretty obvious that warrants it, right? You, you know, you plowed somebody over, or you slid in a second with your cleats up, or you... Mm-hmm. You know, you hit a home run and you trotted real slow around the Steal bases. Steal a base when you're up by 10. Stealing a base late in a game when you're when you're winning by a lot. A yeah. big bat flip, right? Like, those are the things that tend to get you pegged. Just hitting a bunch of home runs doesn't seem to me to warrant a, I'm going to throw a 100-mile-an-hour 100 fastball. Are you turning on you. this? Are you turning your, I mean, yesterday you were all about defending. Well, um, I'm, I'm saying, Virginia. like, there's a lot of reasons to think that maybe he didn't throw the, throw the ball at him 
on purpose. I did hear you know, did you? some some pitchers when they do it, they'll be like, yeah, yeah. but you <laughs> yes, I, th- I threw it that guy. I know. But and you, then they take the suspension. He said he didn't. He said he didn't. But it was also the fastest first pitch he's thrown all season. Well, he's just excited. About just hitting him. Yeah, he got really, Okay, thank you. Yes, he got very, very excited. You played a lot of baseball. It's hard to peg somebody with a curveball. Like, you got to throw a fastball. I wasn't any good at baseball. <laughs> never got, no, one so, ever, no. no one ever threw it at no, you? No, I had a hard enough time throwing a strike, <laughs> let alone yeah. hitting a guy in the, in the elbow. <clears throat> I don't want to defend this. I don't think like that You know, violence for the sake mm-hmm. of violence is good inside of baseball, but I do kind of like the, you know, what you call it, that internal police force. I like that the, the custom of baseball is that um, instead of, uh, an umpire or some official or Major League Baseball coming down and and trying to sort stuff out between, you know, uh, different teams or rivalries or different players that don't like each other, that you can kind of take care of that on the field, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think if you if you, if you you hit a bomb and you trot around and you show up a pitcher, you probably know that there's an okay chance that you're going to get, you're going to get plums. And that usually ends it, right? It's usually tit for tat. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of it. Uh, obviously, there are situations where it escalates and it gets worse and worse and you do need suspensions and you do have you know, warnings from the umpire and stuff like that. But I, I'm just generally speaking okay with the, that sort of internal policing mechanism that base, that baseball has because we can contrast it with, you know, football, for example, that doesn't want anybody, um, you know, showboating that when you, when you score a big touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they regulate these, um, uh, you know, the, the celebrations mm-hmm. in crazy ways, which why don't you just let people figure it out on the field, right? You know, if someone scores a big touchdown on you and, you, and you're going to rub, rub their face in it, you should probably know that, you know, next time you come over the middle, you might get popped by a safety or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that happening on the field. And I, I just deep down don't think that there's really a, a – I mean, probably doesn't feel good to get hit with a baseball in your butt. But if you're doing it right, you're not throwing it at somebody's head. You're not trying to end their career. You're not trying to take away their livelihood and their money. You're just trying to, you know, hit them in the, in the, in the thick part and, and send a message. Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions then that are obviously tied to this. Making or excusing – this act by saying it's just part of the game are you okay with that are you okay with that excuse with that defense in the in the in the scheme of of in the larger scheme of things i've seen more obviously more clearly warranted acts of of internal regulation Mm -hmm. right where it's like oh yeah that guy's gonna get thrown at the next time they play or tomorrow or whatever is the next time that he comes up to bat he's gonna he better be looking for Mm -hmm. you know something something inside uh in this case, we kind of gone back. It's there's no, it doesn't seem to be any real obvious bat flipping or that sort of stuff. So I don't get this one, okay. and I'm not defending this one. But generally, I'm okay with the stuff kind of being. And there's there's a lot more of those kind of unwritten rules in baseball too. Um, we were talking about with those those guys that we were on the golf course with. Who was that that pitcher um, from Atlanta? You remember he got all, or from uh, Oakland rather, who got all pissed at Derek Jeter for. Uh, Running across his, you know, he, he Jeter or not Derek Jeter, um, Alex Rodriguez hits a hits a uh, infield. Uh, he gets a, a grounder to to first base and and he's out. And when he runs back across the infield, he ran over the mound, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. apparently is like you know disrespectful to come up on the mound or something like that. There's all these weird sort of insidey baseball sort of things that I kind of I kind of dig that that baseball sorts those things out out for themselves and you don't have to you know have some external arbiter come in and 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 sort it out for them. I'm, I'm okay with that sort of that cultural part of baseball. It's funny that this situation, we both agree, is very different from the usual situations in which people get hit, um, but it's being used to have a much larger conversation about these old-school yeah. approaches to baseball and these kind of old-school rules. And I wonder, I wanted to ask you, 
Is this just another example of the chasm between the traditional baseball fan, the traditional traditional baseball culture, and what baseball or or modern fans want it to be? I mean, I think this is just one example of the fact that the game is it's losing out on a lot of fans just because it's a little too old school sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's a little too. Deep down to me, it just seems like it's a sportsmanship question that, yeah. you know, it's the same stuff that you would teach your kids when they're playing baseball that, you know, act like you've been there. Don't don't rub it in. Don't run up the score, that sort of stuff. Um, and that that's just baseball's way of of kind of kind of policing it. Right? I mean, as a fan, I'm sure you felt this before. You know, I'm a big Red Sox fan. Um, you know, we got embarrassed by Houston in game one of the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the uh, second second or first round last year, whatever it was. Um, and as a fan, I was like, man, the. I know Houston has, you know, they were bad for a long time and they were really excited, but the celebration seemed crazy to me mm-hmm. for a game one. And in my mind, I was like, man, it's a playoff series. You're probably not going to chuck at anybody. But if you did that, you yeah. know, in a regular season, oh my, like this, the celebration seemed excessive and it's, you know, it doesn't feel good. That's <laughs> a funny. Your face rubbed in it. That's a really good uh, <clears throat> uh, example to bring up too, because uh, I guess I'm seeing... <laughs> I'm having this internal conflict about what I want the game to be as a diehard baseball fan because the Astros who were winning at such a clip last year were fun to watch and people enjoyed it. But And even then winning the World Series, I think people are, were totally on board with it. The tide has really turned this season in terms of how fans um, view the Astros. There are not, not a lot of Astros fans out there. Because of the same stuff that you're pointing out, they – don't act like they've been there before. They're really, really cocky. They're very off. Oh, yeah, I mean, individual players have come. And this out, is not about race either, by the way, because I think I mean there there are white dudes on that team yeah. that are just as off putting as you know. Yeah, who, who was it for uh, for the Astros who came out and was was talking uh, a bunch of crap about oh, about the the Cubs like before the season started, yeah. right? Oh, that yeah. Cubs team, yeah. you know, should have been way better than they were, and they really kind of sucked. Yeah. And we're way better than them, and they yeah. could have been a dynasty, and you know, we kick their ass. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, one World Series, and the and one dude who after a decade of just being everybody's doormat. I mean, they were so bad, so bad. Terrible. When you go back to what two thousand three was when they were good. Was that the the bees? Killer bees. Oh five. Yeah, the White Sox swept them, didn't they? In the World Series. Yeah, so I mean, legitimately, over ten years of them just being Awful. miserably bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. They, 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 there was something. Else. They had the one guy. I can't remember. Craig. Craig. Anyhow. Some player. No, no, no. He's on the team now. Who was complaining about the umpires to the media, which is a no-no. Like you let your your manager do mm-hmm. that. You don't throw yourself out there yeah. to, to do that. But uh, which so is, by the way, that you just touched on another sort of unwritten rule in baseball, right? Like you, we always know if you watch a lot of baseball, you know that hitters are constantly turning around and saying things to the umpire, like "Hey, I thought that was outside" or something. But you don't. You're trying. You're trying to make it look like you could be saying, "Oh, what are you going to do this weekend?" You mm-hmm. know, like they do it really. With with little affectation, right? They're not there's not hand gestures and gesticulations. You don't even really turn around and sort of square to the umpire. You just kind of whisper it to them, and that's that same thing of showing them up, right? That's 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 unacceptable. You know, umpires will let you voice your opinion a little bit, but once you you know, it's the same thing. You hit a home run off a guy and you trot real slow, and and make him sort of have to sit there through it. it you know, that's disrespectful, or it's seen as disrespectful. Mm-hmm. The same is true. You know, you don't turn around and, and show up an umpire. So it's again those unwritten rules that get kind of policed internally that people are starting to not like though i mean i think that's the it's it's becoming off-putting to people speaking of another uh uh fisher in the traditional baseball arena uh last week jason worth firm former uh, what did we decide obviously a philly he was great as a philly 
believe he won a World Series as a Philly, then took a huge contract and went over to the Nationals. I think he played with the Nationals the longest. He did, yeah. I mean, he was great. I mean, you, you pulled up some of his stats, um, and you have him right there. But I just wanted to, real, real quick, before I hand it off to you, uh, he came out and, and in the same way that Goose Gossage did it a few years ago, basically attacked advanced uh, statistics and sabermetricians and all of this. Uh, in an interview that he did for some podcast that was not ours, so you probably have no reason to listen to it. Jason. But um, Did you see him? He was playing like some pickup baseball game. No, it's I didn't just like that. some beer league baseball game. Really? Just crushed out. Just, just killing it. I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool. funny. I mean, I'm sure he's not a bad guy. It's just, again, this perception of, of how the game is played now or how uh, outsiders are influencing the game. And his quote was, I think it's killing the game. And here he's talking about advanced statistics. It's to the point where we could just put computers out there, just put laptops and what have you, just put them out there and let them play. We don't even need to go out there anymore. It's a joke. I guess, to me, his criticism of the sabermetrician or the, the, the sabermetric era, this advanced statistic era, is not necessarily, um, to me, I guess it's more, as I'm reading this and going through and kind of parsing through his interview and his, his comments, it's way more tied to uh, that same perspective, oh, these kids aren't doing anything anymore, they're just inside playing video games, than it really is maybe as a threat to the game. I guess, the, to me, like, in in going through and, and reading the story last night and reading more of the commentary about it, he's just being kind of an ass in terms of terms of this. But I mean, what's what's your? This is the yeah. weird thing, right? Like we talked about this yesterday. A dude like Jason Worth, his entire career, especially the last five or six years, that contract he gets from the Nationals is only made possible because of advanced statistics. They know his worth, like because in terms of batting average, RBI, and HR. He's not that fantastic of a player, but in terms of the value, the war that he brings to a team. You know, he's invaluable. He played till he, what, was with 38 yeah, yeah, and put up great numbers? Yeah. And so it just seems kind of ironic that yeah. he would critique the nerds who are making his career possible. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, how many front offices would keep a 38-year-old around? Yeah. Just just the fact that you're 38, I think yeah. most front offices would be like, well, it's probably time to bring up a, a prospect who can, you know, there's a billion outfielders in every farm system anyways. We'll bring up a young kid and get him some at-bats and stuff like that. No, no, they say we can still find value in a player like Jason uh-huh. even though – his age yeah. is kind of a red flag. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. My biggest problem with his argument, truthfully, is if you boil it down and strip it down, the the, the premise of his argument is people who play baseball, right, at a, at a high level, a high professional level, are more knowledgeable about what it takes to win baseball games and, and the, the skills and techniques that you use than are people who have never played baseball, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what he's saying. He's like, oh, we're bringing in these dorks who have yeah. economics degrees or whatever who, you know, stopped playing baseball in Little League like yeah. I did, for example, yeah. right? But the problem with that argument is if if it's true, like we, we make this mistake all the time. We think because someone's really good at doing something, they're also really good at teaching people to, to do that thing or, or, or managing them, right? How many managers were really insanely good baseball yeah, players? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, I mean, Alex Cora, yeah. I mean, he played major league ball, but he wasn't that, you know, he, was, he wasn't an everyday player. Well, I mean, look at the great managers that we consider as part of this moment, like Joe Torre or Mike Socia, right? They're backup catchers. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, well, I guess, I mean, they Socia played, played they, they, they were, yeah, Socia was good, but, and, and they both had good careers, but still, they are handling the ball, like, the, the, I guess their relationship to how the game is played from that position is different than any other position out there, yeah. right? And I mean, why is that? Because they have to know everything. 
They have to study film on guys. They they may have not have called it advanced statistics, but their understanding, their knowledge of the game is so much deeper than an outfielder. Yeah, no, I mean, no disrespect, but if you're an outfielder, yeah. you don't have to have no. the book on every single hitter who comes up and, no. and know, where to, know where to pitch. And then your manager's stuff. telling you where to move anyway. Yeah, you know? exactly. Nowadays, I keep seeing outfielders just pulling out the card. Oh, they write I, it no, I've not seen that. Oh, it's pretty funny. It's okay. like, oh, this guy's up. Where am I supposed to stand? Okay, I'll stand over here. Oh, my so God. They don't even have to give him the signs like some, anymore. There's just some... Yeah, but the, but the, the fundamentally, wow. his premise is flawed, right? That because you're not a, a professional level, level baseball player that you can't understand what you know makes for a good baseball player True. or what makes for a good team or what makes for a good organization. And this, this Guardian article that we found, I don't know if you posted this, really kind of right dissects and, and, and demolishes the, the argument that Worth is trying to make by saying, hey, look, the proof is in the pudding, right? If all this analytics stuff is wrong, then how come all these teams that are heavily invested in it keep winning? Right? Does that make sense? And and the, the, whoever wrote this Guardian article also makes this point, which is this this argument is so settled that you don't even get a response from the front offices who use a bunch of advanced analytics or from the sabermetricians themselves. Like they're they're like we're not even going to engage no. this conversation with you. Like this has been decided years ago. Yeah. Right. That you complain about it is 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 truthfully meaningless. And and the third thing I'll say about this is that. Jason Worth kind of makes this argument like it, you know, it, it, when you use advanced stats that the players aren't allowed to be creative and use their imaginations um, and that and that sort of stuff. And I, I just think that that's fundamentally not true, that that uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people's reads of, of advanced analytics are that like they cracked the code and now everybody knows how to play baseball better. But that's not how it works, because the game constantly evolves. Right. So you have uh-huh. to continue to develop you know, different different measures to try and figure out where you can find value in players or in, in techniques on the field or, you know, in lineups and, and and that sort of stuff. So it's it's pushing the game, right? Like one really good example of this is um, the uh, the sort of launch angle uh, data that we're getting, that players are getting now and the, the, the speed that they're hitting balls out of the ballpark. You know, for, for a long time, it, it, squaring up the ball was sort of what was preached, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. hitting, hitting, and this is still true. Like hitting a ball hard is good. If you hit a ball hard, you're your your a, a player's average on balls hit hard is much higher than if you don't get all of it. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, if you want to hit home runs, you don't want to square it up. You want to get underneath it a little bit, right? You want to hit the bottom half of the ball and and have a, a better launch angle that's yeah. gonna that's gonna that's gonna throw the ball, yeah. right? Does that yeah. make sense? It does. It's not just you know, contact and and the, the the speed that the ball comes off the bat. It, that's not the whole story. You have to have have launch angle as well. And that doesn't. I wouldn't call that necessarily an advanced metric, but it's certainly an evolution in the way that we think about mm-hmm. hitting and teach hitting yeah. and and that sort of stuff. And truthfully, man, that's something that a guy like Jason Worth probably. I mean, he hit a lot of home runs. Hit almost three hundred home runs in his career. It's funny how that that shift or that evolution in hitting has muted the argument that hitters just aren't good anymore because they strike out more. I mean, if you and I, and I think that if we did some sort of discursive analysis of how often media talking heads brought up strikeouts, it would be, you'd see a massive decrease over the last 18 months because I think we very quickly realized that these dudes aren't striking out because they're not good hitters. They're striking out because of the launch angle and they're yeah. realizing the you know, risk reward uh 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 what a comparison Absolutely. is just Totally no, different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right about that. They're good hitters. They, they definitely they, are. Yeah. Uh, Sean Foreman, who we had on the show, the mm-hmm. guy who uh, started baseball reference and now basketball reference and, I don't know, hockey reference yeah. and cricket reference. But I, I don't know why I'm making that joke. I love all of, I love his sites. <laughs> no, and, and I love Sean Foreman. Exactly. Um, he took some dude to task after he was on our yeah. show about this very question yeah. where it was they were fighting about a particular player. I think it was like Mark Reynolds or something like yeah. or that or some Mark Reynolds-esque player. There's a bunch of those dudes floating yeah. around, like yeah. Chris Davis, for example. Um, and I can't. 
make the argument as well as Sean Foreman did. You can go find it on his on his Twitter. But basically what he said is exactly what you said, that there's this old school mentality that striking out is the worst yeah. possible outcome. And it's not, right? Right. If there's people on base, hitting into a double play is a worse outcome yeah. than a strikeout, yeah. right? So if you look at a guy like Mark Reynolds who's got a bunch, a bunch of strikeouts and say, oh, that guy strikes out a ton, sure, but, you know, his – uh, you know his uh, OPS and mm-hmm. OPS plus are super duper high, and you know he doesn't he doesn't create a lot of outs, and he and he adds a lot of value. Like we have we have blinders that adv- advanced analytics help us understand. I mean, for a long time, baseball was in the Stone Age where we thought things like strikeouts uh, and average and wins were valuable measures of a, of an individual's contribution to a baseball team's success. And what we know now is that those things are far less important, yeah. right? Like here's this is an example from a different sport that's always bothered me. If you you know, a, a, a quarterback gets credit for a touchdown for anything that they throw, right? Anything that's uh-huh. a forward pass. If you throw a 40-yard, you know, strike to the corner of the end zone and, and a player makes a, a good catch, I get that. You should mm-hmm. get credit for that. But if you throw, like, a one-yard dinker yeah. and a guy runs for 50 yards and breaks three tackles, the stat, those look equal on the stats. They're not equal, right? Well, think Does of the dropped sense? passes. Like, dropped passes. Yeah. You know, you hit a guy in the hands and he can't catch it. Yeah, yeah. And so, like... Players get yeah. when we have old school statistics. Players get credit for things that they shouldn't get credit for, yeah. and they also get blamed for things that aren't their fault. Another fantastic measure is interceptions. Right uh-huh. over the course of the football season, we'll yeah. definitely talk about who you know who's got the most interceptions. Uh, you know, touchdown to interception ratio, etc. In my opinion, if a quarterback throws a ball and the receiver touches it, uh-huh. and then it's tipped up, and someone that shouldn't she even be an interception. Yeah, that's a good point. Right, like that's not on that's mm-hmm. not on the quarterback. But we see those things as equal, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. say you know. 12 interceptions and 12 half interceptions yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. just like the total number of interceptions. Well, that's a poor way of thinking about whether or not someone's making an impact uh-huh. on your team's ability to have success. All advanced analytics, it's not, it's not trying to change yeah. the game. There has been there have been some changes, right? But I, I think in a lot of ways, some of them are, are really cool. When we recorded, tried to record yesterday, we talked about, um, you know, the the, the 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 sort of changes that were ushered in by Joe Madden uh, to, to sort of get more aggressive on the base paths for a long time conventional wisdom was you know you should go station to station um, and some you know some dork yeah. in a in a in a library somewhere was like actually if we do the math you know being more aggressive and going first to third will you know create more runs yeah. over a season or something like that or when we saw in the playoffs last year um, uh, the way Terry Francona was using Andrew Miller using his closer in the fourth inning or the yeah. sixth inning or the seventh inning in the most high leverage spot those are all things that were created by advanced analytics that that disprove the point that Jason Worth is trying to make that's really creative mm-hmm. and imaginative mm-hmm. what's not imaginative is relying on old conventional Tradition. wisdom that turns out just to not be true it's funny that we people bust the balls of all these players or coaches who take this advanced analytic approach, but who's doing the winning across all these sports? It's for the most part managers, coaches, GMs who are who are employing this. And I think look at Belichick, right? Look at Nick Saban, like being able to just switch out a quarterback in the middle of a national title game. Yeah, like that's because. Like he, but he also that was crazy. He knows who's starting this year for them. Is I don't, it, is they it have, Jalen Hurts or no, is it the other guy? It's got to be the other guy. Yeah, right? I don't know. They haven't decided yet. But I mean, that kind of stuff. Jalen Hurts so fun to watch, though. Agree, agree. But I mean, these these dudes know what they're doing. They're great coaches, yes, because of their ability to manage personnel and all this stuff. But they're also great coaches because they're using these tools that they have recognized as extremely valuable, and they're just deploying them. I mean, why is Tom Brady still good at forty-one years old or however? Yeah. I mean, because he's put into a system where his arm strength and his accuracy are, you know, 
not his arm strength, just mostly his accuracy, those are the most valuable tools that he has, and Belichick finds ways in order to integrate those tools into the play calling. Just in the same way that Saban would do it, whether he had Jalen Hurd or that other guy in there. Yeah. I can't, the Hawaiian, is he Hawaiian, Simone? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like that. I don't I know. can't remember his name. It was, that was, that was, well, that was think about Popovich, right? Like the same, I know we're going, we're, we may not get to the other <laughs> uh, salacious material, but the Spurs, the Spurs have overperformed for how many out of the last 15 years? I mean, they've overperformed because Popovich is very, very good at understanding his players' strengths. Is this, this year the first time they haven't made the playoffs? In yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the it 18 anyways. years, I yeah. think. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean... With shit talent this year, I mean they didn't—they're not shit talent. I mean they're still good. Just but, a bunch of old dudes. Yes, right. But to so, still so be Jason Worth could probably go play there because Pop is not afraid to put forty and fifty-year-old men. Very, out there. very true. Or the Warriors, right? Look at the, look at the Warriors. Um, you know, being able to, uh, to just take advantage of shooting, right, and just shoot people out of the gym, just because they understand they built a team around that, yeah, and realized that that were that's the shift the game was making. Man, that's a that's a whole other fight and a whole other conversation. But it blows my mind when people uh, hate on hate on Golden State because it, the the way to describe that team, yeah, first and foremost, they they, they can shoot you shoot you out of the gym yeah. all the time at any time. The way they match up blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Go, if you think about this, go back and look at the Western Conference Finals against the the Rockets, yeah. where they did not play a center. Right, Jamal yeah. McGee played like four minutes in that seven game series. Yeah, right, because Houston was going small, so they're like, fine, we'll go small, you know. And then we get to the finals. And JaVale McGee played a ton of minutes yeah. and was super impactful, mm-hmm. right? So there's one one old-school way of thinking about this, which is I'm going to, you know, come up with my, the best lineup possible, and I'm going to play that no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I'm, I'm certain there's some stat heads at Golden State that say, no, right? Like, JaVale McGee is not always useful, mm-hmm. right? Like, against some lineups, we have to have him in there. Against other ones, mm-hmm. put him on and the And being able to just coach like that or strategize, strategize like that and not caring about what fans think or what the media thinks or traditionalists think. That's pretty impressive. Hey, we're not going to get to our last two, two um, stories just because we've got to keep it short for our listeners. But you maybe next week we'll get, into, we'll get into the Maryland football thing and then this, these Yankees jerseys. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a joy recording in person today. Oh, my gosh, we'll have to try to do it before you, you head back to, to Flint. But everybody – Pound out. 20 podcasts. Yeah, 20 podcasts, right? So we can, uh, make sure you yeah, find us on the socials. Times. Tell your friends about us. We are Our podcast is available everywhere. And we need a few more YouTube subscribers to uh, to customize our page. I think we're at 90 right now, which is good. People actually watch our YouTube videos. Last week we had like 45 views, which is wild. I think we're on to something. Yeah. Tell your friends about us Subscribe, so that, that, yeah. that way they can get onto it too. But, uh, there now. And then lastly, make sure you sign up for the old EPL. Pick them. It should be fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a fantastic weekend.